Hello, and welcome to the Hope Reformed Baptist Church of Long Island's podcast. This lesson was presented by Pastor Richard Jensen on December 20th, 2020, during Sunday School. The lesson's title is Step 1 to Wisdom and discusses Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast to hear future episodes. You can also visit our site, hopereformedli.net, and find us on Facebook and Sermon Audio for more information. Father, once again, as we gather together, we bow before you and ask that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our heart to what we uh, see and hear in your scripture this morning. We praise you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, obviously, we can tell from the, the number of people here, we have a, a large number of people who are out self-quarantining because of the COVID thing and all. So we're, we only have a, a small group. And so I was asked to uh, step in at the last minute. And so I pulled out, as I always do, whenever I'm in a pinch or asked to do something quickly, I always go to the book of Proverbs because there's always something in Proverbs that is beneficial. And so I want to read this morning from Proverbs chapter 30, okay? And this happens to be one of my favorite Proverbs, okay? It's Proverbs 30, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Uh, which, starting in verse 1, it says this, The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, the oracle, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukul. And then verse 2 is the reason that I like, this is why it's my favorite verse. It says, Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he reprove you and you be proved a liar. Okay, so that's pretty much the verses that I want to cover. And I want to start with verse 2, and notice what Agur is saying. He starts off in kind of a a shocking way. He says, I am stupid. In fact, he doesn't just say, I am stupid. He says, I am more stupid than any man. And what's interesting about this is here we know that the book of Proverbs was selected by the Holy Spirit and written uh, by men who are to be who are supposed to be the wise men, uh, the most intelligent, the most that have the most wisdom, and yet he comes up and he says, "I am more stupid than any man." Interesting to begin. So, what's the problem with Augur? Why would he say that? You think he might be suffering from low self-esteem? Uh, you know, that would be the diagnosis of many modern psychologists, and even those who claim to be Christian. What they would say is that what Augur needs to do is to love himself a little bit more. And he needs to understand that he is of infinite worth to God. 
In fact, he's so worthy that God sent his son to die for him. That's what the wisdom of the world would say to Agur. Uh, He would be put into a group therapy session and continually told about all his commendable qualities and that he should love himself and think more highly of himself. But is that what Agur really needs? Is he suffering from lack of self-esteem? Well, if we look at this chapter in context, you will come away with the idea that Agur is not engaging in self-pity at all. That's not what he is doing. His, and his intent is not to garner sympathy from the reader of Proverbs either. So the, what is the intent of the text? Well, Agur is making a self-evaluation and, in fact, is making a true assessment of himself. And it's not false humility. Uh, this is what he sees when he takes all things into consideration. You know, it was the oracle of Delphi who said of Socrates that he was the wisest of all men because Socrates at one point had said that he didn't have wisdom. Well, Socrates may have said that, but if he did, Agur beat him by a good number, probably even hundreds, hundreds of years. But here it is in the scripture, the book of wisdom, Agur obviously a wise man, since his writings are included in the book of Proverbs. And he says, if you want true wisdom, and here's the key to this whole chapter, first learn true humility. Learn your true place in the created order, take stock in that, and then you can make a start at becoming wise. And Agur says that he has seen himself compared to the knowledge of God, and he says, I'm stupid. I really just don't understand these things. And again, with all of the study on attaining wisdom, he boils it down to this principle. Humility leads to wisdom and wisdom to a thankful heart. Now, it's interesting. I want to do a little comparison. In the gospel, Jesus boils all the commandments down to one, two, if you add the second great one. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the great and the foremost commandment. And in fact, that's the essence behind all of the other commandments. And if you get that one right, then all the others start to fall into place. And that's the essence of the teaching of Jesus on the, on the commandments. Now, here in Proverbs, Agur boils all the wisdom literature down to this one principle. And I believe that's why this has been Proverbs 30 and not Proverbs 1. Because this is kind of like, a, remember in, in Proverbs 1, we have the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We, we ha- have the beginning of it. But here, after all of the wisdom that's been imparted, we find Augur summing it up. The step, step one to true wisdom is to learn true humility. We see this also in the prophetic books, Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, if you get that one right, all the others will come more easily. So when you recognize that before God you are helpless, then you will find help. When you acknowledge your utter dependence upon him for life itself, then you can begin to learn from him. When you see yourself in front of God's infinite wisdom as the fool you really are, then you can gain wisdom. An accurate assessment, a self-assessment, is necessary if you're ever going to move forward in your sanctification, 
beginning, of course, with our salvation, but right through to our sanctification. We see this in the, displayed in the life of Paul. Paul, all right, who was an apostle, and, and don't, don't sell that title short, everything that an apostle meant. Paul was an apostle. He had direct revelation from God. He had the ability and the authority to speak for him, and yet Paul never exalted himself above other men. In fact, he described himself as the chief of all sinners, and he declared that all boasting was excluded except that he would boast in the cross of Christ. If anybody had a reason in the flesh to boast, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, look at, he's responsible for about one-third of the New Testament. And yet, what does, he, what does he do? He never boasts in himself. He said, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in the cross of Christ. And that's the attitude that we see Agur showing here as well. He says, I don't have the understanding of a man. I haven't learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of God. And by saying those things, he has shown himself to be a truly wise person, one one who deserves to be quoted in the book of Proverbs because he has seen his true place in front of God. But he doesn't stop there. In fact, let me paraphrase what he says in the next verse. He begins in verse 2 by saying, I am more stupid than any other man. But then now in verse four, or in verse 3, he says, but so are you. <laughs> that's, well, that's a rough translation. Right? He says, I know, I know that I am, but do you know that you are? So how smart are you? Look at verse 4. And, and this is a very important verse. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Uh, who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Now, Augur asks, he asks five questions, and they are specifically designed to show the ignorance of mankind. The first one is, has you ever been to heaven? Have you ever ascended? And you know you, <laughs> you can't, your, your knowledge can't possibly contain the knowledge of God and spiritual things that is only revealed in heaven. In fact, how can you presume to know about heavenly things when you don't even know earthly things? That's how he proceeds. And look at what he says. Can you explain the weather? We have multi-million dollar computers in every TV studio and every network. We even have a weather channel, a National Weather Bureau. And how often do they get it right? Sometimes, you know. So he says, can you explain the weather? Can you explain all the things about this earth? And these questions are relevant today, even as they were a thousand years before Christ. With all of our knowledge, with all of our increase in science, there are still so many things that we can explain how they take place. I, I was having this conversation with several people just this week about the, the coronavirus and how the experts have vacillated. You know, one day they come out with one thing, the next time, the next day they come out with another. Remember when the, the virus first hit? What were we told? Masks are useless. Leave the mask to the healthcare professionals. Don't wear masks. You're taking something that the healthcare professionals need. 
then all of a sudden, oh, no, everybody needs to wear a mask. The bottom line is they really don't know how this virus is transmitted. They get yes, they say it's airborne. They, they really don't know. Okay. And there's so many other things. How does our brain work? Now, some of them work better than others, but <laughs> no, I'm not going to say anything else. I'll just let that one drop. But they really don't know. How does an atom stay together? Do you realize that even quantum mechanics, they don't really know. They postulate what holds an atom together, and why doesn't it just fly apart? You've got these electrons spinning around that little tiny nucleus. We could go on and on. Even sleep. We know that uh, a man, men need sleep. We don't know why. They, they guess. Again, they postulate. But they don't know exactly what sleep does. So we could go on and on with all these questions. And so Agra asked these questions not to taunt us. He's, he's not being sarcastic here. All right. He's... He's pointing these questions and aimed directly at our egos. You think you're so smart. If you think you're so smart, can you answer any of these questions? I noticed as I went through this, the similarity to Job. Remember Job's encounter with God in the 38th chapter? At the end, you know, where God, what does God do? Remember, he asked him about, where were you when I did this, when I did that, when created the world, and all of those things. And at the end... What is Job's response? I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of your hand can be thwarted. Who is it that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know, hear now and I will speak. I will ask of thee and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Very big similarity between Augur's saying and what Job's response to God is. And the position that Job comes to is one of humility before God. But here's the problem humility comes from a knowledge of God, but only the humble will come to the knowledge of God. Sounds almost like a, a paradox, doesn't it? The proud and the arrogant will never come to see the true knowledge of God. And that's the problem of the modern worldly wisdom. It's boastful, it's arrogant, and it's proud. Remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? It is the modern wisdom that would classify Agur as someone with low self-esteem, the wisdom of this world comes and goes, but Agur doesn't leave us hanging on that question. He gives us the answer. He says, true wisdom and true humility are found in the word of God and the word of God alone. Look at verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be proved a liar. What he's basically saying here is the words of men are empty. They're hollow. Uh, the boasting, the arrogant words mean nothing. 
Isn't it amazing if you look on the tube, and especially during political campaigns, the boasting, the arrogance? I mean, we've just seen how much of that over the last year. All right. Many men have come with great claims to be the savior of mankind in one form or another, to have special wisdom from heaven. And where are they now? They're all in the grave. All their words have been tried by fire and found that they were burned up in the end. But the word of God is tested and proven to be true. It's proven to be inerrant. It is the word of God that brings the knowledge of God true humility and wisdom. It is the word of God that is a shield that protects those who, ref- who take refuge in him. And who is the him in this passage? You know, there's a beautiful analogy in this passage of scripture that we must explore a little. First, the word of God is a refuge to those who take refuge in the incarnate word of God. Let's go back to verse 4 for a minute. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? When Agar asked this question, we all had to say, well, not me. I mean, that's an obvious one. No man has ascended and descended into heaven. But there is one, the incarnate word, to whom the wording of ascending and descending has special meaning. We notice that in the scriptures that there are certain phrases that that run throughout, that have special meaning. And so we see that the incarnate word, ascending and descending, has special meaning for him, the only one who the grave couldn't hold. So let's look for at a moment at, at some of these verses. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he marveled at the saying that you must be born again? Look at the response of Jesus to Nicodemus. Verse 10 of John chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen, and yet and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Does that sound familiar? Isn't that just what, excuse me, what Augur has said? And then verse 13 is the one I wanted you to look at. And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. Jesus Christ descended from heaven to earth and then ascended back on high. Paul speaks of this in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. But for the, the origin of that expression, though, you have to go back even further. Go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis 28, to Jacob's dream. And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, with its top reaching to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Jacob had a dream that there was a ladder that bridged the gulf between heaven and earth. And it is a dream that all men have, isn't it? We were just talking about it this morning. Uh, 
eternal life, immortality. How many people have sought immortality? And they try to achieve it in many different ways. Go back to the Tower of Babel, prime example. We will build a tower that reaches to heaven. And all such men fail because their their goals are man-centered. The only way to bridge the gap was through the efforts of the Almighty. In John 1, 51, and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And yet he came and was lowly and meek. And then in verse 6, Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be proved a liar. Agur finishes this section of his wisdom by condemning all worldly wisdom that is arrogant enough to correct God. Can you imagine the arrogance of man adding or subtracting from the word of God? And I believe that that is one of the gravest errors in the church today. The church reads the Bible, declares it is the word of God, and then adds the philosophies of men to it. Men who claim to be Christians reject the sovereignty of God. They reject the doctrines of grace. They reject the wisdom of his word. And they substitute doctrines that please the ego. The word of God is sufficient for all of life and godliness, Peter tells us. The word of God perfectly equips the man of God for every good work, Paul tells us. But men in their arrogance turn to their own understanding and the wisdom of men instead of the inspired and errant word of God. And then we wonder why mankind is in the trouble that he's in. And that's because, in general, men think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. You know, one of the ways we see this, have you ever seen resumes? Have you ever been in a position where you had to read over resumes of people looking for a job? And how much of it can you believe? (laughs) Always painting each other in the best possible light. It's not surprising, because that's the tendency of man in every case. But the wisdom of the book of Proverbs says that the first step to wisdom is true humility. And true humility only comes from a proper view of yourself in the eyes of God. You will only come to the knowledge of God if you have a humble spirit. And that's the big dilemma in life. It is only the intervention of Almighty God that solves the problem of mankind. When God changes the heart, when he humbles the heart, then you are on the path to wisdom. (coughs) I want to just read a portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 25, which Paul sums this up very, very well. A lot better than I could, that's for sure. (coughs) Starting in verse 25, because the foolishness of God... (coughs) Excuse me, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that you were, there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen 
the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So as Agur says, step one to wisdom is coming with humility before Almighty God. Any questions? So who is more stupid than any man? And if you say Agur, I'm going to smack you right upside the head. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We praise you for these words from your book. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see the necessity of wisdom coming from true humility in understanding who we are before you, the almighty God of the universe. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, wisdom incarnate. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.